caution. What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. Today, we're going to be talking to probably one of the individuals who has had one of the biggest impacts on the agrarian side of Back to Jerusalem missions in the 1040 window. Uh, this is a little bit of our redneck podcast. We're going to be talking to a guy by the name of Travis Huey, and I want you to learn everything we can about this guy who lives off the land. Really great guy. We'll go to him right now. Hey, Trav, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Hey, man. How you doing? I am blessed. How about you? Good. Hey, we just wanted to do a, a really uh, quick podcast because as... Uh, as I was talking about, just as I was doing the introduction for this podcast, there's probably, there hasn't been anybody that I can think of off the top of our head that comes to mind as having the biggest impact on back to Jerusalem missionaries that are working in agrarian areas as you have. You've been such a huge blessing brother to, I mean, uh, just last week I was in India and uh, probably our most successful agrarian project that we have anywhere else in the world is in central India and they're running the whole aquaponics setup and that pastor there has just gone hog wild with it and has trained uh, pastors all over the country using this system wow I had no idea so cool well, I mean, uh, can you just give us a little bit of uh, background? I know that you're kind of a you're kind of a, a a guy who lives off a little bit off the land. I mean, I've never been to your place, but I know that the Chinese have. And um, uh, from what I understand, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when I was introduced to you, I was told you're a guy that makes your own diesel, you grow your own food. I mean, you you're almost an off the grid kind of kind of person. We've done a few of those kind of things. Yes, I have made my own diesel fuel in the past. I don't currently right now. Some of the environment uh, to get the materials to do that are more regulated now than they used to be, shall we say? (laughs) Um, And so it's a little more difficult than that. But, yes, we grow a good portion of our own food. Uh, We sell produce and eggs to restaurants as a portion of our income. And we try very much to live off of our property as much as possible. We have a large aquaponics system. I have an 80-barrel-half aquaponics system, as well as uh, some of the My Aqua Farm style, you know, commercial uh, retail versions. 
Uh, we have a wood-fired water heater here that when we want to take hot showers, we have to go build a fire out there and uh, heat the water up. We've been doing that for about three or four years now. And can, for our audience, uh, can you just explain what barrelponics aquaponics is? Because that is a that is a topic that I really want to focus on because it it really has been one of the main things that has helped us in many different countries. Some of those countries we can't mention. Uh, just because uh, they're they're so indicative of where they're working that they would be highlighted right away. The missionaries would be highlighted right away. But can you explain the uh, the the aquaponics uh, barrel ponics that you guys do? Okay, uh, basically barrel ponics is my version of aquaponics. When I first heard of aquaponics, which is if to put it. Simply, it's the, the hybrid of a hydroponic, soilless growing techniques with aquaculture. We use uh, intensive aquaculture, which is raising aquatic animals, basically anything with gills. Um, and you do that, you feed those, they make a waste product, and the bacteria in the gravel beds of the hydroponic component convert that ammonia to basically nitrates, which are plant food. And that's putting it about in its most simple uh, terms. You, you know, you feed the fish, the fish feed the bacteria, the bacteria feed the plants, the plants clean the water for the fish, and you get to have fish and veggies on the table. And so that's it's a, in its simple form. So when it's, I first it's a sustainable started, system. It is a sustainable food source system that you can basically set up anywhere it most certainly can be uh some people when they use the term sustainable they try to think of in terms of absolutely and totally sustainable where it creates its own inputs within the system uh, you know we have we have outside energy coming into this planet via the sun and so there's nothing fully self-sustainable but it most certainly is sustainable in its attributes, and it can be a, a component in a much more self-sustainable system. Um, when, when you are growing uh, the food, you had mentioned that these are, uh, these are like rock beds. So this is a soilless system. You, it doesn't matter if you're in an area that doesn't have um, good soil or, or fertile soil in order to grow the crops, right? That's exactly true, and in fact, I will tell you, if you have good fertile soil and reliable rains, you do not need aquaponics. You already have everything you need there to grow abundantly and much, much less expensive. The beauty of aquaponics is it puts the ability to produce a, a, a large amount of protein and vegetables in an area that otherwise would not be able to do that. I, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if we told you this. I mean, we, we might have. I'm not sure. But at one point, we had a model unit uh, on in our office, on our office balcony. And our office balcony was maybe two foot by two foot. So it's not a very big balcony. Uh, lots of right. Chinese usually use these small balconies in order to dry out their laundry. So uh, from up, you know, top to bottom, you'll see all these buildings full of laundry sitting outside in Hong Kong and Singapore. 
Um, so we only had a two foot by two foot area and we were uh, on the 13th floor and we were growing food and that sucker. So, How cool I mean, is that? I, I mean, yeah, so we're, we're we, literally anywhere you can grow food, even in the most rural uh, areas without any fertile soil uh, to the most right. urban areas, you know, in a high rise. So, I mean, we were doing both. Now, uh, just for our audience sake, um, last year you traveled with me to um, Iraq where we were able to set up an aquaponics system in northern Iraq, um, only about 30 miles north of the headquarters of ISIS in Iraq, um, about 16 miles or even less than that from the front lines of ISIS. Um, You were able to travel with me there last year, work together with the Chinese, as well as a brother of ours from uh, Iran, And uh, can you give us a little bit of information about that? Because there you built a system that is not not exactly, you know, uh, based on the protocol of what you've already done in the past. This was a little bit different. Right. One of the things that I have, and in fact, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to to share a little bit about the development of barylponics and it ties into that very thing. Okay. When I first started doing aquaponics, it was very expensive to get into, and the only systems out there that anybody was talking about doing was either a home system with a 20-gallon aquarium or these large commercial nodes that cost thousands of dollars to do. And so I was looking for an inexpensive way to actually do aquaponics, and I had a bunch of plastic, 55-gallon plastic drums or plastic barrels in my possession, and I went to a conference on aquaponics. By the time I got home, I had figured out how to use these barrels by slicing them in half lengthwise and make grow beds out of them. In the process of doing that, I also had gone to West Africa on a couple of missions trips and saw poverty, real poverty, real hunger, real starvation for the first time in my life. And my goal was to try and figure out a way to make aquaponics doable in a, in a developing country scenario, which meant that they didn't have computer microprocessors to control the flood and drain. They might not even have float valves or float switches and a lot of technical kind of things that we take for granted here in the U.S., As a result, I started to try and develop a small system that was small enough for people to grow a decent amount of of kitchen vegetables and and yet be a training tool to inspire them to try other things and to expand it. In the process, I was trying to come up with a mechanical valve, flood valve system that would control the flood and drain of an aquaponic system with with the need for electronics or anything like that that could be built pretty much anywhere in the world with a little bit of creativity. So as I was working on this project, I was running into a problem where low flow situations, this mechanism wouldn't work, the previous version that I was working with. I laid my hands on it, I prayed over it, and I said, Father, you are 
the one who created the entire creation. It's based on wisdom. You designed this thing. You know how these things work. You know what you put in my heart. And, and Father, I need some help with this. No lie. Within a half hour to 40 minutes, this design for how to do this flood valve dropped in me. I tested it out. I went to bed that night but couldn't sleep. At 3 a.m. in the morning, my wife wakes up, and she goes, why aren't you asleep? And I said, I can't sleep, baby. She said, why? I said, I'm the little boy. At that point, she probably thought I was kind of in a half-sleep stupor. She said, what do you mean you're the little boy? I said, I'm the little boy with the fishes and loaves, and the Father has just showed me how to feed millions. That was the beginning of barrel ponics as we know it today. And that gift, as it were, to take common things and use them in uncommon ways to do good things is kind of how that plays into like going into a place like Iraq where 55-gallon drums were not as available, but IBC totes were. And I could adapt the flood valve idea and design within that to create an aquaponics system there. And I've been able to do that in several countries, go to places, look around, see what they have, and develop a system, design it, and build it. And in that case, we went in in less than 10 days found the materials, designed, designed the system, and taught a team how to build it, how to replicate it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we, we saw in Iraq, and that was why I was so thankful that you were able to travel there with me, uh, because I knew that God had used you that way in the past, and that you have this gift of just being able to identify materials because, you know, even though the the units that we've used in the past, just to give our audience um, a, a little bit of background, we've used your units in the Philippines for our training center. We've used your um, units in, or variation of those units in the Philippines. Uh, we have a couple different training centers where the Chinese are using those units to tra- train on as well as use them in rural areas. Then we have a a, a couple farms in China where they are being used. Uh, We have a couple closed countries uh, that we can't mention where it's being used. Uh, South Sudan, we have a unit that's being used. Uh, We have um, Iraq, uh, that unit that is being used. Our our, our largest and and best unit that we've we've ever really set up, like I said, is in India. And I mean, this guy in India or this pastor has just I mean, this is his lifeblood now. Now he does things that that are so far beyond us. So he's he's the next guy that we kind of use to help with a lot of our agriculture stuff because he's experimented with so many different things. And he's really good at setting up units in, you know, 55 degree heat, you know, or, or hotter, which is, you know, well over 130, 140 degrees um, uh, for those that use Fahrenheit. Uh, so that's why I was really thankful that you were able to come to um, Iraq because even though we've set up these units in other countries, we still can't get the same kind of off-the-street materials uh, in Iraq in a war zone, basically, that we can get in downtown Manila or Shen- – well, I mean, Shenzhen in China really doesn't count. We can get everything in Shenzhen. <laughs> I mean, everything in the world is basically made there anyway. Uh, but 
you were able to go into um, Iraq and, uh, and and find the units that were needed. Now, while you were there, your your plans for travel got quite screwed up. Right? I mean, you you were you 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 were trying to leave out. Understatement of the century. Yeah, you were trying to leave out, but um, uh, everything kind of changed on your way out of the country. Yes, it did. Uh, apparently, um, as I found out later from you, uh, there was some small arms fire on commercial jets. Okay, we have just lost him. Um, we're going to go ahead and try to call him back. Uh, as you saw, he was um, coming in a little broken up, so we're going to just try to give him a, a, a really quick call back. He's he, like I said, he's he's one of those guys that has been such a blessing for us at Back to Jerusalem. Um, I am calling him at about ten o'clock at night here in Asia. Everybody and their brother is on the internet right now. And so, uh, the internet is, uh, extremely slow. So it's, um, or not extremely slow. It's still faster than a lot of other places, but it's, um, it is challenging. So I'm calling him back right now. We'll see if I can get connected again and, uh, pick back up from where we left off. Uh, it looks like we are having a challenge, um, connecting back with him. So we might have to end the interview there. Oh, wait a minute. We've just gotten through. Hey, okay, we're back. Yes, we're back. Sorry we lost you. The Right now it's uh, 10 o'clock at night uh, in um, in Asia, and everybody and their brother is on the Internet. So they've just gotten home from work, and uh, and so the, the Internet cables will be a little bit clogged for the next hour or two, and then we'll be good again. But right. it's, it's okay. Uh, we got you back now. Yeah, so we 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 dropped you off right when you t- were talking about small arms fire on commercial jet airlines coming into Iraq. Yeah, so as a result, they canceled all the outgoing flights from that uh, airport going to Dubai for, quote, security reasons, unquote. Um, and without getting into too many of the details of all of that, uh, it caused us about a two- or three-day delay before we were able to get a flight out to, you know, through Jordan and back to Dubai. Thankfully, to your contacts there in the area, we're able to get us some tickets out of there because the airline that we had a ticket with just basically dropped us. Um, and th- such is the challenges, in, as you well know, in traveling in places that, let's just say, may not be as convenient as others. I I mean I I'm usually in and out of Iraq at least once a month. Um, those flights change about uh, as as frequently as I change my plans. <laughs> so I, I will I will literally be on a flight to Dubai um, and one day and be transferring. And while I'm transferring, they will cancel all flights from Dubai. That is one of the most fickle flight patterns uh, in the world today. Is between Dubai and Arbil in Iraq. But um, anyway, 
Brother, it was really great talking with you. Um, it was great just chatting for a little bit. We only wanted to take a little bit of your time. If people want to know more about what you're doing in the ministry, or if they want, if they're interested in learning more about your aquaponics system or how to buy one for themselves, where can they go for that? The the one site that you can check out our, our retail version and get a free download of the Barrelponics Manual is at www.myaquafarm.com. And uh, that will, you can get the resources you need there. If people need to get in contact with me, they can through that website. And, uh, you know, we can, we can get them the resources they need to further their aquaponic adventure. Great. So that's uh, www.myaquafarm.com? Yes. One word. M-Y-A-Q-U-A-F-A-R-M dot com. Great. And then your your full name is Travis Huey. So they can also do a Google search, I assume, uh, on your name and find out more information as well about your units and see uh, the multiple yeah. YouTube clips and multimedia. That's correct. In fact, I probably ought to spell my last name because most folks may not get it. As, it's not as intuitive as it sounds. <laughs> if they'll... Well, Google Travis W. Huey, H-U-G-H-E-Y. They can, they can find out all kinds of things at that point. Great. Thank you so much, brother. It has been a pleasure serving together with you in the kingdom. And uh, it, 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 I, I can't wait for our next adventure. Uh, God bless you and um, uh, bless, your, bless your family. Say hello to your wife for me. Will do, and and I would just say ditto back to you. It's an absolute honor and pleasure to work with you and the things that you're doing, and anytime I can be of service, brother, you know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> Bless you, man. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. And again, you have been with us for this time with Back to Jerusalem, and we're so happy about that. Thank you so much. I'm Eugene Bach. I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. God bless you. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study around a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ, by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. 
See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold.